I'm Dr. Sandy McClary. I'm the developer of Insights into Children's Temperament. We want to welcome you to our Insights podcast. Insights believes that in the heart of every child is a desire to be cherished and understood. For the child within you, don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. La 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 I'm Dr. Sandy McClary, and I'm the developer of Insights into Children's Temperament. As some of you may know, Insights was developed and first tested in New York City, right in the heart of New York City. But it's our delight when we move Insights into other communities. Today, we're going to talk to one of the facilitators who's conducting Insights in rural Nebraska. Now, you may ask, What does rural Nebraska have to do with you? Well, that depends on where you're living in the country. But also, I think our guest will help us understand whether things are that different with parents and teachers and kids in New York City compared to rural Nebraska. So let me introduce to you today, Dr. Joan Carher. So you have an extensive background. Can you please tell us? about the many things you've done that bring you to this day. So when you ask for background, you're probably going to get more than you bargained for. I'm all about quotes and sometimes cliche, sorry. Never forget where you came from. And when I was in first grade, I decided I wanted to be a teacher. And it was because of a teacher. When I was just early first grade, I was really struggling in school. I don't remember how many were in my class, but I was at the Catholic school here in town. And she was not helpful, um, not encouraging. And I always thought maybe I was discriminated against because not at that time, of course, but looking back later that because I came from a poor family and we weren't huge benefactors of the church. And I just felt ignored. And I had a neighbor girl and she was kind of in the same situation. School was horrible for me. I went home for lunch and my mom literally had to drag me back to the school after lunch. And it was a fight every morning. She transferred me to the public school in town. And I had the best teacher ever. She was a grandma. (laughs) She was so warm, so loving, so kind. And she worked with me and she gave me attention. She helped me learn to read and encouraged my classmates to help me. And it was just a whole different environment and I thrived. And my classmate and also my neighbor who stayed, she ended up flunking first grade and had to repeat it. (laughs) You know, looking back and thinking, no, I probably wasn't discrimination. It was more of, 
maybe the teacher didn't know it was a nun and I don't know what their education or teaching was at that time, but maybe she just didn't know, you know, she didn't know how to help me. She didn't have the tools. So after that experience in first grade, I wanted to be just like the teacher I had. And over the years, you know, even in college, I had professors say, well, why do you want to teach? Why don't you do business or you know, something where you can basically make a lot of money. And that, and that was never what I wanted. So I just think that's important piece of my life, although it was rather long, I'm sure. But that was very impactful on me becoming a teacher and then the teacher that I was and then later. So on to my education, I was a lifelong learner. and. I took that seriously, started school, college in 1978, and finished my doctorate in 2014. So that's a lot of years in school. (laughs) I have a degree in elementary education. Um, My master's was in school administration, and then my ed specialist degree for the school superintendency, and then finally my doctorate was in teaching curriculum and learning with the emphasis with teaching and learning with technology. So I've taught every grade level from kindergarten through 12th grade. And the last 10 years of my public school education career, I spent as a superintendent and principal for the first few of those years. During that time, we went through a school consolidation. So it ended up the school district that I retired from Riverside Public Schools. We encompass five small rural communities. We were around 230, 240 enrollment is all for PK-12. Also during the time right before we consolidated, the school district was Cedar Rapids Public School. And Nebraska Department of Education had a grant available to start a preschool. At that time, we had basically rented a classroom to any individual who wanted to come in and have a preschool in our building. And that tradition had started before I had started as superintendent. So it wasn't anything that I really, I I saw the benefit, but I also saw that, you know, my hands were tied as far as curriculum and what the preschoolers were getting from it. So there was a huge need to have a public preschool where parents didn't have to pay for it. We had a Head Start program that had just closed in Spalding. There was one that still remained open about 20 miles from our district, but there was such a shortage of daycare anyway. And then with everything I was learning about the importance of early childhood education, it just made sense to get our own preschool program. And so I've always been interested in preschool curriculums and any curriculum that's going to make lives easier for our students. So with that extensive experience you've had, You're now a facilitator in the Insights in Nebraska program that we're conducting in rural Nebraskan schools. 
What is it with all that experience that attracted you to the Insights program? My goal before I retired from public school education was to be a college professor, but not teach on campus, to just to do some adjunct work, maybe do some student teaching, observations, mentoring. But when I was inquiring about adjunct, a full-time position was open at Shadron. And I uh, ended up going full-time at Shadron and commuting, which was a five-hour one-way trip. And I knew after a year, I couldn't continue that. So I was looking at the college's advertisement for employment. And I had been a part of the Learning Frontiers project with UNL, another preschool-oriented and early elementary. And I come across the Insights um, advertisement. And I thought, hmm, this sounds really interesting. And so I got on your website, Sandy, and looked at what you had created and the puppet sold me, honestly. I love the puppet and, you know, you had the little videos of meeting each of them. And I thought, wow, little kids would take to this. This would be so much fun to go into their classrooms and teach this curriculum. And so then I did a little more digging, of course, on the UNL Insight webpage. And uh, I applied for the position and here I am. Well, we're glad that this is where you are. Can you tell me whether the concept of temperament resonated with you? You mentioned the puppets, but underneath all the puppets are their temperament profiles. Oh, temperament was a new concept for me. I I really was not familiar with temperament. You know, we had done some social emotional learning with our guidance teacher at the school. But the idea of temperament, it was new. As a parent and an educator, you know, coming into looking at, you know, reflecting back on former students and thinking, wow, that kiddo really wasn't just trying to push my buttons or, you know, yank my chain. He he needed something from me. And so temperament really really opened my eyes to, you know, how, how we are reacting to our students. You know, they, they're not intentionally trying to make your day horrible. And as a kindergarten teacher, I, I had some students who were clones of Gregory the Grumpy. <laughs> and so it was like, why can't you just be compliant? Well, because of their temperament, that that just wasn't something we should have expected. It, it really, I felt bad. I'm like, geez, I wish I had those years. I could do them over. But so I'm excited about teaching this to teachers and parents and, you know, having them be able to step back and say, yeah, for some kids, they they just need a different fit. This is not working for them. And it's not because they're being rebellious or whatever. They we're, we're not a goodness to fit. We need to change something to help them. I was struck when you were first describing your story 
about having been in Catholic school and having such a poorness of fit. I had gone to Catholic school and had a goodness of fit. So I think a lot has to do not only with the temperament, but of course, the teachers and the parents understanding who that child is. And as you say, using strategies that work with that child. So Joan, now that you have been doing insights for a while, do you have any favorite story about a child who you worked with in the insights program? Yes, I do. In one of my schools, there was a little girl or is a little girl. I can't wait to go back and see her. And I'm curious to, I know the pandemic was hard on her at first, but she um, has selective mutism. And, you know, when I first started going in, you know, she sat back and she was attentive, but very much kept to herself. And when we got to, you know, midway through the program, when we were doing the dilemma board and, you know, learning the steps, and when the puppets came out to help us problem solve, it was like, she was just so engaged. She just like hung on every word. And when it came time to pass out the puppet, I let the, the children choose, you know, the puppet that they felt most matched their temperament the first few times that we did this. And she was always the first one to my side and would grab Coretta the cautious. She was not going to let anyone else have Coretta. And I allowed that. I thought she needs this to express herself, even though she wasn't verbal. And she would get with the other kids and she would hold her puppet, you know, Coretta up like she wanted to talk and communicate with them. But she would nod and it just made me feel so good because here was an avenue that hopefully would allow her maybe down the road to start speaking. So she was engaged more than usual, even though she wasn't speaking. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because even in the classroom and things, you know, she would sit, but she, she really didn't want much to do with her classmates or even the other adults in the room. Very touching story. And it, it also reinforces what I've observed many times, that many children and even adults gravitate to one of the puppets that most resembles their particular temperament. So I really appreciate your experiences that you're, you're conducting in rural Nebraska. So one of the questions I would like to know is, do you think parenting and teaching schools a whole lot different in rural Nebraska from perhaps New York City? And I know you've not taught there. What are the parents and teachers telling you about their experiences with Insights? Well, you know, I'm not going to just say Insights parents. I don't feel like, you know, recruitment was hard in our area. And the parents, you know, they came with different agendas and different reasons for being there. But on the whole, parenting in rural Nebraska really isn't probably a whole lot different I think for the most part, our parents really want the, what's best for their kids. But there are parents who 
suffer from drug and alcohol addiction. Same with the cities, depression. Our divorce rate is right there, probably at 50%. At least half of your children in your room come from, you know, a divorce or, you know, mom or dad's remarried, dual household. So teaching, I'm sure it's much easier. I think, you know, we would have teachers probably argue that point with me, but we have small classes. We are so blessed in our area a lot of times we have combined classrooms because of the small numbers. After consolidating, you know, we were able to do away with some of the combined classrooms. But um, the small numbers, and when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I don't think our students are much different. They all want to belong. They all want to please. And they all want to succeed. And I think the teachers all want the same things. And the parents probably want the same things too, I would expect. Definitely, yes. yes. So before we conclude, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Benefits for the children and teachers. You know, I always thought children at that age, especially, were pretty egocentric. You know, you think back to Piaget. And, but, you know, bringing the insights curriculum into their classroom and you know, the very first scenario or one of the early videos was the student who had his pencil broken on accident by one of his classmates. And then they, you know, ran through how other kids might react to that same situation. And you could see the wheels turning and the other kids, they're like, and then to discuss afterwards. So which child, you know, how would you react if that happened to you? And they're like, wow, there was a lot of different reactions to that same exact incident. And that was such a springboard for the kids to start looking at one another and saying, yeah, you know, he, you yelled at me, but, and that's not right. You know, you're not condoning that. But I think they were able to step back and see, you know, yeah, their temperament, you know, they're, they're just that way. And so we need to work this out. We need to talk this through. And it was just amazing to see the problem solving at that age that they could engage. My experiences were similar. I went in thinking, my goodness, these are children and Piaget says they can't generalize. And then they come back and they tell you the most amazing generalizations. Like, I was with grandma and she's just like Coretta the Cautious. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I did not expect children as young as kindergarten and first grade to be able to do that and to gain the insight that we want them to have that people are different, their responses are different, and we all have to care for each other. And that's what's huge for the children and the teachers and parents, you know, is it does, it promotes understanding, empathy, the self-regulation piece and the message of warmth, you know, especially in the parent piece and the teachers, you know, the children all need to feel loved. They all need to feel like they belong, you know, and once we can meet those Maslow's needs, <laughs> then we can meet their academic needs. And that's huge. Thank you so much, Joan, for joining us today. 
And we look forward to the pandemic being over and insights being back in the schools and every facilitator being back in the schools with them. Yes, I'm so excited to see, you know, and hear how they've experienced it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm praying that first grade continues in the spring semester. <laughs> Have a good week. Thank you, Sandy. For the child within you, don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. La 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 la